Well, welcome to Grace. Glad you guys are here. There were these two families. One was a Catholic family and one was an evangelical family, and they were good friends. Now, both of these families had a three-year-old. The Catholic family had a three-year-old little boy. The evangelical family had a three-year-old little girl. And they were trying to explain to their children the differences between Catholics and evangelicals. And they all went to the lake together. And as they were at the lake, it was really hot, and they thought, you know what? We need to let the kids swim out here in the shallow water and cool off. But they both families forgot the kids' swimming suits. But they thought they're only three years old. Just let them take their clothes off and get in the water. So both three-year-olds, the boy and the girl, took off their clothes. Before they got in the water, the little boy looked at the little girl and said, wow, Catholics and evangelicals really are different. <laughs> you know, there, is, uh, there are a lot of differences, but there are also a lot of similarities. And what I want to point out this morning is what some of those, one particular similarity is between evangelicals and Catholics. One of the things that you see when, as far as Catholics are concerned is that if somebody is said to go in the ministry, they go, they become a priest. They're going into the ministry, they're a priest. That's the one who does the ministry. That's the one who's called into the ministry, the priest. Now, evangelicals are really similar because they talk about someone who goes into the ministry being a pastor. That is the one who is called into the ministry. That's the one who does the ministry. And when Catholics think about who the person up front is, that's, that's the leader, that is the clergy. That is the one who's different. He's the professional. And evangelicals, they look at the pastor and say, that, that's the one called to the ministry. He's the professional. So most Catholic churches view the, the congregation, views themselves not as an army, but as, as, as an audience. And most evangelical churches, they don't view themselves as an army. They view themselves as an audience. If there's a new convert, then somebody at the church office is called some of the clergy to disciple them. If somebody needs counseling, they call the church office for someone who is trained to be and certified to be a counselor. But both Catholics and evangelicals will look at a certain group, a small group, as those who are called to the ministry. They are the clergy. But is that the truth? Is that biblical? Let's look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. It says, starting in verse 5, And Jesus Christ the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, 
and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. Now listen to this. And he has made us to be a kingdom priest to his God and Father. Read that part again. And he has made us, not just a few, not just one or two. He's made us the body of Christ, the church. He's made us to be a kingdom priest, all of us, to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is all believers. Jesus Christ has made all believers in Christ to be priests. He's made the church to be an army, never, ever intended it to be an audience. He made us to be an army of priests. So you are a priest. We are a kingdom of priests. Now, the fact is that professional church leaders since the third century A.D. have worn certain clothes, clerical collars, and robes to confirm the lie that there is a some type of dichotomy, some giant chasm between the clergy and the laity, when in fact there is no such division biblically. Fact is, we are all priests, and leaders should not dress in such a way to affirm that there is some kind of distinction between the leaders and the people before God. We're all priests. We're all ministers. We're all called to the ministry, every one of us. You know, people have asked me from time to time, how come my name is not on the church sign out front? I say, if, I put, if we put my name on there, we've got to put all our names on there. Because we're all ministers. That's biblical. We're a kingdom of priests. By the way, this is not just God's plan for the New Testament church. This has been God's plan all throughout time, all throughout history. In fact, I want you to, I want to go back to a passage when the Israelites came out of Egypt and stood before Mount Sinai to meet with God and become his covenantal people. Exodus chapter 19, verse 3 through 6. Let's see what happens here. Exodus 19, verse 3, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, And tell the sons of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples of all the earth, for the earth is mine. And listen to this now. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So Yahweh God, from the outset, as he gathers the nation of Israel to make them his special covenantal people, wants them to be a kingdom of priests, wants them to be a people that represent him to the nations and intercede for the nations to him. A whole people of priests. That was God's desire. Not a few select ones, but a people that are a kingdom of priests. That was God's intention there at Mount Sinai. Well, what happened? God speaks directly to his priestly people from the mountain, and here's what they do. In terror, they reject his unmediated voice. They reject it, and they want to offer God a new plan. Now, remember, God's plan is a priestly people. All ministers, all called to the ministry. That's his plan. A people who represent him to the nations. A people who who intercede to him for the nations. A priestly people. That was God's plan. But they now want to offer God plan B. They want there to be a go-between between them and God. And they want Moses to be that person. Let's see what, where it happens. Deuteronomy 5, verse 24. You said, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen today that God speaks with man, yet he lives. Now then, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer, then we will die. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Now here's what they say to Moses. Go near and hear all the Lord our God says. Then speak to us all that the Lord our God speaks to you, and we will hear it. Hear and do it. You see what they said to Moses here? They said, you go and you hear from God and you tell us what he says. We have plan B, Moses. Plan B is you are our go-between. We don't want God speaking directly to us. We want you to be the go-between. So what they do is they reject God's desire for them to be a kingdom of priests. They say, no to plan A. We got plan B. Moses, he'll be the go-between. So what does God do? God gives them plan B. Except it's not Moses. He establishes Moses' brother Aaron. And Aaron's line, his descendants, to be priest for Israel. I want you to know that is plan B. The people rejected plan A. But God's not through. God still wants a people that will be a priestly people. God still wants plan A. So God speaks to the prophet Jeremiah about a new covenant that's coming. Jeremiah 31, 
starting in verse 31. It says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord, but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their heart, and I'll write it. And I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. So there now is a, a prophecy of God is going to cause there to be a new covenant. Now, this new covenant we know was actually inaugurated by Jesus Christ when he died on the cross, rose again, ascended to heaven, and poured out the Holy Spirit upon the church. So now we have God back to plan A. How do we know that? Apostle Peter tells us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. And coming to him as a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. Talking about Christ. He then says, you also, as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Go down to verse 9, 1 Peter 2, 9. But you, not just a few, all of you, but you are a chosen race, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So, Paul, so Peter tells us in verse 5 that you, we are being built up into a spiritual house for a what? A holy priesthood. All of us. Not just some of us. And when he gets to verse 9, he actually quotes the Greek translation of Exodus 19, verse 6 that we read earlier. He quotes it. So we are, right now, this is not future tense, right now, we are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood, all of us. For some of you right now, I mean, this is really a paradigm shift. But it's an important paradigm shift that we all, that we all make. We're a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, a people who will now be a priestly people who will represent God to the nations and will intercede for the nations to God. So God's plan expressed at Mount Sinai and then prophesied through Jeremiah is now in the new covenant. We're back to plan A. Again, he didn't say he made some of us priests. He called some of us to the ministry. He made some of us ministers. He made all of us priests. We're all ministers, and we all have been called to the ministry. Now, when you read the book of Acts, first century Christians had no specialized group called clergy. The New Testament nowhere uses the word to describe a few select leaders. They understood, they understood they were a priestly people. 
They understood they were all ministers. They were all called to the ministry. I mean, some may be able to fulfill their ministry without having to work another job. I'm one of those who gets the privilege and the honor to do that. I get to fulfill my ministry and not have to work another job. Some, but that does not make me clergy. Not biblically. We have some who are receiving donations to do their ministry, but we all have our ministry. We all have our calling, all of us. Now, what happened in church history? We see in the book of Acts, they understood this. We see this in the epistles, they understood this. What happened? Well, in 258 AD, the bishop of Carthage, Cyprian, he began to treat all the Old Testament passages that talked about the Aaronic priesthood he took all the privileges of those priests to sanction the duties and responsibility of the Aaronic priesthood, and he applied it to the church officers. And church leaders throughout church history, Catholic and eventually Protestant, have kept this false teaching alive. But not here. If you are saved because you have repented and believed in Christ as your Savior and Lord, then you are a priest. You are a minister. You have a calling from God. You are gifted by the Spirit of God to accomplish that calling. Now, the Apostle Paul, he uses another way for us to understand this same truth. The Apostle Paul talks about the body of Christ. Now, I want you to just, I wanted you to picture something here. Because a lot of times we get lost in really in a simple metaphor. I don't know if he looks familiar to you at all. But here's the whole idea of the body of Christ. Let's read the passage first. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Ephesians 4, verse 7. He says, but to each one of us. Read that part again. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. He's talking about spiritual gifts. Each one of us has at least one. You're a Christian, there is a supernatural ability inside of you by the Spirit of God to do a special ministry. It's in you. Ephesians 4, verse 11, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. So now he's breaking it down. There's different gifts. Now let's jump to Romans 12, verse 4 through 8. For just as we have many members in one body, he's talking about a human body here. There's many members. There's eyes, ears, nose, mouth, hands, feet, heart, liver, kidney, all those different members. That's what he's talking about. So let's read it again. For just as we have many members in one body, and all members do not have the same function, 
The eye does not hear very good. Okay, the mouth does not see very good. Each part of the body has its function, right? And all the members do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ. That's us. We're a body. Christ. Individually members of one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service, service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he exhorts in his exhortation, who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So he's saying that you are part of the body of Christ. You have a certain function. You have been supernaturally gifted for that function. You, you, and it's important that you fulfill that function. Let me tell you what's happened, though, throughout church history. Because the clergy, this false teaching, was, you know, began really by 258 A.D., because of it, what happened is the clergy wanted to control everything. They were the ministers. They wanted everybody just to show up, sit in rows, and behave themselves. They will do the heavy lifting. They're the professionals. So they taught everybody else to be passive. You're not a minister. We're the ministers up front. That's what they taught. This is a lie. What's the result of that teaching? Well, you got people who can see in the body of Christ. They, they can see. They can see things that the body of Christ needs to know about. They also are visionary people. And but instead, of the, instead of allowing those gifts to function, the clergy shut them down because they believe they do all the seeing. And then there's those in the body of Christ that have different speaking gifts. They can teach, they can preach, they can prophesy. All these different gifts, but the clergy says, no, that's our job. So you just be quiet. We will do all the speaking. We don't need any people speaking and you know, into small groups or prophesying or giving words of knowledge. We don't need any of that. We will do it all. So they gagged the rest of the body of Christ. Then you have those in the body of Christ who can hear from the Lord. They can hear and they know what's on the Lord's heart. But the clergy says, we do all the hearing. We don't need you to do any hearing. We do it all. And then you got those who, you know, serve the body of Christ. But the clergy says, no, we'll do that. We do all the serving. We're the ministers. We don't need you doing it. And do you see what has happened to the body of Christ throughout church history? And we wonder why the church has been so weak throughout church history. You know who did it to the church? The clergy. The clergy did it. They propagated a lie. That you're not ministers. We're the ministers up here. 
The truth is you are a minister. You are a priest. You have a calling. In fact, you've been supernaturally given a spiritual gift to fulfill that calling. But what happens? What happens if you are an arm or a hand? Even if, and even you hear about this truth, but you don't participate in fulfilling your ministry. What happens? What happens to the body of Christ? The body of Christ is weakened. Just like a human body without an arm is weakened. I'll tell you something else that happens. If you're the part of the body and you're not functioning like connected to the body and functioning in your role, what happens to you? In your disconnected state, you shrivel up and die. See, none of that is how God's intended this to function. God has gifted you. If you know Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and you have been given at least one spiritual gift, it's that gift is in you. Some of you have never heard this before. So this is new to you. But this is from the Bible. You just, you just saw the verses. Some you've heard before, but you don't know your gift yet. Well, that's fine. Pray and ask God to show you. As you love and serve others, you will find out. Some of you know what it is, and you're serving. Praise God. But what is the ministry fair all about? The ministry fair is all about the priesthood of the believer. It's all about being a part of the body of Christ. When you walk across the parking lot in just a few minutes, you're going to see all these different ministries. You're going to see that we understand that here, that we are, we are a, an army of priests. We are part of the body. And many of you already have your T-shirts on. And by the way, if you don't have a T-shirt and you want one, you can get one when you walk across. Please do. Become part of Team Grace. We're a team. We're the body of Christ. And some of you have your stickers on, the different parts you're, you're ministering. That's great. If you don't have your sticker yet, grab your sticker. But I encourage you to go around and check out all these ministries and say, where is my part? Where can I plug in and begin to serve and love and find out what my, my ministry is? Some of you already know. You say, well, I already know. Do I need to go over there? Yes, we need to come over. We need to come over and celebrate vision. We need to come over and encourage other people. We need to be part of the festivities because part of casting vision is celebrating vision. And we're celebrating all that God is doing here. But you know what? We believe the best days of Grace Community Church are ahead of us, not behind us. So we're asking God for more. We're asking God to pour out more and more of ways in which we can serve him in our community and around the world. Some of you might have a dream, a way in which you think, I think we might do in this ministry. How about I start or I help start another ministry and come talk to me over there about your dream. There's even an area called the, 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 the dream zone. Come talk to me about it. Come fill out the papers. We begin to find people that have the same dream and we put them together and form a new ministry. That's how it works. I mean, it's all, it all comes out from the body of Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. You know, God never intended all the good ideas to come from the leaders. All the ministries to come from the leaders. He never intended that. He intended by the Spirit of God it to come out from us. And what we do as leaders is we help coordinate it, facilitate it, resource it. And so let me encourage you, in just a moment, we're going to close. And I encourage everybody, please, everybody, I beg you, go across the parking lot. If you have kids in eventually, line, please go get your kids first. Take them with you over there. There's going to be food. It's going to be a great festive environment. It's going to be a lot of fun. But also find 
your ministry, if you already have it, help other people find theirs. Because you're a priest. You're a minister. You're called to the ministry. You're part of the body of Christ. You have a spiritual gift. Hallelujah! Let's all stand for prayer. Lord, we thank you for your amazing wisdom and how you have designed things and and how if we just follow your design, Lord, if the church around the world got a hold of your simple design, Lord, we would impact the world dramatically in a short period of time. So we pray for a greater revelation of this for us and a greater revelation for your church around the world to understand who we are as priests. And we pray for your blessing on the ministry fair. I pray, Lord, nobody would miss the great joy and just privilege and honor it is to be a functioning part of the body of Christ. So we ask your blessing on it. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, amen. Amen. Okay, priests, you're dismissed. You get your kids, go across, and be at the ministry fair.